because it's true like even as you're going through a divorce you think you're a failure you think you did everything wrong and and then you you're like oh wait a second like there's a disproportionate high amount of people also experiencing this so therefore there must be trends that it's not all my doing there's societal engineering around it there's different expectations things are changing you know the work balance everything has changed and so a lot of guys are scrambling because how our dads raised us, that world doesn't exist anymore. Little reassurance, someone being like, no, dude, you're not all these horrible things that she's saying. I've known you for X amount of years and look at these awards and look at, you know, we don't get enough reassurance out there, you know? And it's just someone sometimes being like, yeah, this, you'll be a creator, you can do this. But oftentimes we hear too many of the other voices. You're not, you can't do that. You're not ready for that. Don't do that. And it's the, all those other people's fears too. You have to have the, the will to know that there's better ways and that's a growth mindset, you know? That's what being a dad's all about. We're teaching somebody hopefully better than we think our parents did. Welcome to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. The podcast where we highlight stories of dads on the other side of divorce. To inspire and give strength to dads going through it. I'm Ben. And I'm Yoel. Welcome back to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. You can find us on twodadtoquit.com, twodadtoquit on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere uh, you would find all your podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and we want you to share your story, reach out to us. We think everybody's story is something that is valuable to our listeners. And don't forget to reach out to us wherever you can, and we want to hear from you. Today, we're sitting down with Ryan Shorthill, he is a successful entrepreneur, a, and currently he is a single dad managing the dad's organization based in San Diego, California. Dad's organization is a fellowship of men who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may be better fathers and family men within their communities. They speak from their own personal experiences and do not give advice or problem solve although many problems can disappear with the right support. The requirements for membership are to be a dad in some capacity and a willingness to learn and grow with each other in a respectful, trusting, and confidential way. Dad's organization is an international fellowship of men who are dads in some capacity. You may have one child or five, be a stepdad, grandfather, adopted, new dad, divorced, or single, and dads to be, or a father figure in some capacity. There are no age or education requirements. Membership is open to anyone who wants to actively participate in their personal growth around fatherhood. So Ryan, it, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I know I reached out to you a really long time ago and I'm glad we were able to, to make this happen. Um, you know, we like to do a little bit of background on you, uh, our guests before, uh, we dive totally into what you're doing now. Um, so, you know, if you can give a little background, uh, I understand you travel, you, you know, now you're ended up in San Diego, but you had a quite a bit of a journey to get here and, um, you know, a little bit about your fatherhood journey and, uh, you know, we'd love to hear about the organization after that. Sure thing. So I'm originally from the great state of New Hampshire, just North of Boston, and I'm the youngest of five kids. I, 
was very fortunate that I had a lot of wonderful uncles who actually had kids much later in life. And so I actually, I feel like in a sense, I had four or five dads, even though I had my, my primary dad, but my uncles were hugely influential. I realized that living in a small town in the backwoods wasn't exactly what my capabilities desired or cried for. So I started traveling early on. I got to about half the United States by 16 uh, on my own, just traveling around while simultaneously in high school. So while kids were taking on landscaping jobs or working at the family farm, you know, I was cruising around America looking at national parks and museums and things. And uh, it was very entrepreneurial along the way. And then I went on to travel all through Europe and Central and South America by the time I was 20. And that really put me on the path. I set some really big goals, and one of which was 50 states by 21, 50 countries by 25, and then start a business by 30, which I did. And I started an outdoor education company, taking groups and school students into the wilderness and doing a lot of learning. I've been a school teacher most of my life of some capacity whether a classroom teacher, university instructor. Now I instruct um, CEOs all over the world. Um, but at the end of the day, I've always believed in being a teacher and helping and a life of service. My father was in a life of service. My mother was a nurse in a life of service. And uh, I just chose the path of service that worked for me. And that's being outdoors and the love of outdoors. So I took kids out. But then as I became a father and ended up becoming, you know, a separated father and raising two kids, uh, primarily alone, the challenges that I were facing, I was realizing the resources weren't as available, the way that you could get resources to start a business, resources to, you know, figure out how to put in a garden. But there's not a ton of resources for single dads, divorced dads, men sharing feelings, men's dealing with pain. Um, and so I got to work. You know, I've been building communities for 20 years around the world with my other companies. And I saw that there was a huge need. I was talking to some other dads and their hearts were breaking and I facilitated some heavy conversations and they said, can we keep doing this? And that was the birth of dad's organization. And now we meet groups of men meet on a monthly basis in a confidential setting. And they follow a bit of a formula that we have with some icebreakers and some things that relate to our own dads. Most of us whether or not we liked it, had a dad version one way or the other that was our resource. Some people never met their dad. Some people lived in divorced homes, split homes, had the perfect dad. And people talk about that. And uh, we've done some really amazing things. You know, I asked the group to share, if your dad was sitting here right now, what would you say? And um, men cry. And that's what's crazy because we don't get a chance to be heard. We don't get a chance to feel we don't get a chance to say, I don't know if I can carry this load because everyone just expects us to do it all. And I think I cracked the code on creating an experience that men can really feel good about. I had our meeting just yesterday, making pizzas in the pizza oven, talking about really heavy stuff. Wow. So, uh, you know, when you ended up being separated and, and you had two kids, how old are they now? 12 and 8. Actually, birthday the other day, 13 and 8. Nice. And how old were they when, when the separation happened? Um, Pretty early. You know, I guess my son would have been a little over one when we began wow. the separation. So it's been about seven years or so. And it's been extremely challenging with a, a not pleasant co-parent dynamic. I feel like as an educator and a person committed, I'm, I'm really focused on the health and the well-being of the children. 
And it's sometimes difficult to get buy-in on activities like a Spanish class or swim lessons. So that's right. been really tough. You know, you know how it is. You hear it probably from a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. So when you when you were in this really rough situation, where did you look for help? Did you look, you know, books, therapists? Like, what was that process that got you to a point where, you know what, I need to do it myself? Well, you know, what's interesting is this was before like the reels and the TikTok and all these different short form education platforms started coming out. But really what I did was I turned to uh, an entrepreneurial forum that I was in that had some old timers, guys that had raised, you know, daughters that were in their 20s and things. And so I turned to the old timers and they kind of just were giving me some guidance and some wisdom um, but at the end of the day, I knew it was my mindset that needed to change. Nobody could change that but myself. You know, you go through all those different stages where you're going through grief and sadness and frustration and bargaining. And, and at the end of the day, you got to get up, you got to work out, you got to eat healthy food and be a great dad. But, yeah. How long did it take you to get to that point? forever like forever <laughs> it, you know i did not do it cleanly a lot of the smart people i know say go right to court organize the game plan do your thing i had tried mediation and all of this money and therapy and not exactly a lot of clarity um and so it was really an unhealthy time and it wasn't processed well and it wasn't a clean break and it was just really messy um, but I would say it took me a year or two to really regain my composure. You know, I was I was running businesses. My brother had passed away. I needed a knee surgery. My dog died. I was running into a bankruptcy because of my marriage. It all happened in four months. And yeah. so then I said, OK, well, I'm about to get smashed against the ropes here for a little while. I'm just going to breathe it out as I get beat up by life. And then. I kind of knew I would come back eventually, but it was a very challenging time. But yeah, there were I mean, some good, there, you know, there was books and resources, you know, um, just uh, the book Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I, I listened to that on some runs and it just took my mind off things. I did some yeah. great hikes with a gal, a friend of mine. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, these, these hikes have been the only time that I haven't been beating up myself or berating myself or thinking about the breakup and you know nature healed and it was really helpful and doing a lot of service to kunalam you know like getting out yeah. there and helping people yeah for sure there's actually a i just heard on a podcast recently that forget therapy forget all that stuff just put on classical music and walk in the forest 30 minutes a day and it, it will do medicine. wonders yeah it'll, it'll do wonders japanese, the japanese call it forest bathing and, you know, the Chinese do Tai Chi under the trees, you know, like there's power under there. You know, the Buddha was always seen as meditating under a tree. I'm from the forest, so I'm all about that. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Jersey, but to me, I'm I'm actually from the garden part of the state. Yeah. So I, I'm, I was always in the woods. Yeah, for sure. It just seems like a natural upbringing for us East Coast kids, but a lot of people don't get that. And therefore they have a operate at a sense of anxiety because nature isn't really giving them the break. Yeah. It, it, you know, you said, you know, at your meetings, you say, what would you say to your father if he was next to you? And um, I don't know if you got to see it, but I actually had my father on the podcast to, because my parents got divorced also, but, and there was a, I always thought it happened at eight months, 
because I never knew them married, but apparently they were separated for like five years before. So talking about that, that long period of time. So it was just interesting to give him a space to speak. Um, and then I also had my brother on as a follow-up to give, wow. he asked, he asked to be on to tell his part of the story. And now they're actually talking to each other about some of those points that were brought up by each of them because they each have their own kind of story of what happened. I was just a baby. So, you know, to me, I remember just being in court when I was five and the judge asked me who I wanted to live with. And basically everything since then has been, what can I do not to get divorced? And right. you know, jokes on me. I tell, you, but, uh, I tell you, I learned so much about my breakup, about red flags that I should have seen sooner. I feel like I got the, I, I just feel like there was some missing mentorship to guide me in away from the trauma I was about to experience. And I think, I also think looking back, I might've been able to avoid a lot of that if I had had better guidance on how to with maintain the marriage. But I, I do personally feel like I tried everything, but I know I fell short and, you know, we all do in one way or the other. But what sure. I have learned from a lot of successful men is you have to schedule and program dates and show up and put on the cologne and act like you're in college again and hold the door and, you know, fawn over them because that's what builds lasting love, you know? Yeah, there's actually uh, a rabbi that I want to get on the podcast that wrote a book called uh, the, Ten Stup the Ten Stupid Mistakes Good Couples Make. And one of them is you got to still date. It's don't, it doesn't matter if you have money, you don't have money. It's way cheaper than therapists or divorce lawyers or so all of true. them. Yeah. yeah so. Another thing, another thing that I would uh, throw out there is I learned is you each have to have a night off. If you're co-parenting all the time, like Wednesdays get to be mom's night to go see friends, go to yoga, do some activity, go hike somewhere. But if there's never any time off, then it starts to become a uh, weakening of your own personal life. You know, because I think a lot of men start to lose a lot of friends once they start having kids because they're not maintaining that social structure, that network, those events. And it's uh, similar. You have to make time for yourself and your partner to keep maintain their own relationships outside of the relationship because you can't be everything to everyone, you know? Yeah, I actually have a, a colleague that I work with and his deal with his wife was she had a night, he had a night, and then they had a night together every week. That's the stuff. You talk to successful people. They all have some formula like that. Yeah. It, it, just thinking of it at the time was like, I don't even know how to do any of those things, let alone three of them. But yep. uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was their thing. Cool. So you, uh, so you went through this whole thing and then you decided, you know what, I need to figure this out and I'm going to bring this together. And, and so how did you start? Well, the funny thing is, is like one of my companies, Onyx Teams, that does like team building, you know, working with teams, working with active, you know, activities with groups, working with departments. So I've always been building teams and I've always been helping people process. But what I learned was every all the guys around me who were broken up or single or married, but having difficulty, nobody was checking in on them. And I'm like, hey, guys, like I'm dying over here because I'm an outspoken, you know, Northeasterner. If I got a problem, the whole world's going to hear about it because I got to find a solution. I'm just not going to suffer quietly by myself and not try to do something about it. 
And so it initially started where I said to a we have friends, relatively new friend. We were just chit-chatting and having a great conversation. And then I just, I said, okay, well, I guess it's time to get going. He's like, all right, I'll see you later. And I said, by the way, you know, how are you really doing? And when I said <laughs> that, he said, what do you mean? I said, we just spent 20 minutes checking in, but how are you? Like, how's your spiritual health? How's your, your parental health? And he like just was overwhelmed. He said, no one's ever asked me. And I said, well, I'm asking you. And he said, this is really hard. This is the hardest thing I've ever done is raising kid and being alone and and I said, hey, why don't we meet at the park on Saturday and bring another dad and I'll bring another dad and let's just try to talk it out. Like, let's, we're, we're kind of a communal creature. Let's figure it out together. And we got all yeah. the dads together and guys started crying. And I just ran it like a typical forum where we did, you know, a one word open and an icebreaker relating to our parents. Then we did some updates and some other things. And at the end of it, these guys were like, oh my God, like, what was that? And then one guy said, I'm 45. I've never shared my feelings with anybody. And so then uh, I said, let's meet the following weekend and bring a dad. And then there was eight dads all standing there. And that was it. I kind of saw a ticker tape cross before my eyes. I had kind of a moment of inspiration from God, if you will. And it was like, there'll be a dad's org in Mumbai and a dad's org in a remote fishing village in Alaska. And it'll be bigger than, you know, things like AA and NA, which are self-supporting. And I just trust that and believe that because it works. It helps people, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, one of those ongoing themes with our guests is like, they always had a moment when they just broke down and cried. And it's not something they share. But, you know, on the podcast, they've been sharing it. And it's so important for other dads that are going through this, have been through this, to know that like, it's normal. Again, like some dads never cried in their whole life. And now this is happening yeah. and, and, you know. It's crazy to say that in a way that it is normal because it's true, like even as you're going through a divorce, you think you're a failure, you think you did everything wrong. And, and then you, you're like, oh, wait a second. Like there's a disproportionate high amount of people also experiencing this. So therefore there must be trends that it's not all my, doing there's societal engineering around it there's different expectations things are changing you know the work balance everything has changed and so the, a lot of guys are scrambling because how our dads raised us that world doesn't exist anymore you know yeah. well, a parent isn't home with the kids usually and that in itself forces all sorts of new challenges and changes for kids and we're all scrambling the gen xers to try to figure that out because most of us were raised yeah. by latchkey you know, we raised ourselves out in the backyard because mom and dad were both working. And that was really the first generation ever. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's only we're only going back like 40, 50 years. Yeah. Know? 100. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wait, for 300 years before that, there was generally, you know, a, a labor group and a caring for children group. And those people divided their labors in a way that seemed to work very well for society for a very long time. You can you can probably go back to the beginning of time like it's probably it's, true yeah <laughs> it's a it's a relatively new thing completely yep. thing. um yeah it's it, you know i we kind of had the same idea uh just we found it my my co-host and i yo we found each other we were old friends and then we didn't we weren't in touch for like 20 years and basically we went through the same experience more or less and realized more and more I call it the underground society of divorced people 
because I didn't know they existed. And then once I entered it, like, here, go to that group, go to that group, like just random WhatsApp groups. Um, but the, when talking to the guys, like it's a very common thing. And, and, you know, talking about, you know, the guys thinking it was their fault or whatever it is. Nowadays, the, the statistics are at least 70% of divorces are initiated by the woman. Yeah. So, so as a societal thing, that's completely upside down. So for guys, you know, to understand and, and figure out why that is and then figure out what to do with it. And then we were also on a, um, a woman's podcast, uh, which ever, you know, if our listeners haven't listened to it, if you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. But she listened to us and be open about our feelings and what it was like. And she was just in shock. She's like, I didn't know men felt. And she's all about women empowerment and all that. And she's like, I had no idea that men had feelings like this, you know, society in itself, you know, the, the, all the, the movies and the, all of that is geared to kind of, you know, the man gets divorced, he gets a new house, a new wife and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's not what the guys are really going through. Uh, but uh, from the, you know, the female side, she said like, women just don't give the space for the guy to express his feelings. Either they, it's too hard for them. So it's a slow process and they just want their feelings right away, or they just don't think they have feelings. And that dynamic, you know, it's, it's not a good one. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, and the men have to take some responsibility for their, like I have outlets, different guys and a variety of female male friends that I speak to for certain reasons, but it's, it's crazy. I watched a video once where a girl was like, hey, when things are really down, who are your two or three besties that you reach out to? And, you know, share your video. And every video was like a guy being like, I don't have anybody that I can talk to. I don't have any. But the next kid's like, I wish I had someone to talk to. And, you know, even when my brother died, the phone rang. I went outside and it was my forum group of these eight people who wrote me this nice letter each, you know, to help prop me up. And my brother said, what was that about? And I said, that was my eight buddies, you know, just reaching out because they knew how hard this was. And my brother looked at me and he said, I wish I had that. This is my big brother, my hero, this cool guy. I thought he had a dial, but he didn't have those six or seven people to really comfort him and nurture him. And I think we all need a strong analytical friend, a strong relationship master friend, you know, a good numbers guy. You know, it's good to have a handy yeah. buddy that can help you do the breaks or build out that garage. You've got to have your people. And for a lot of guys, we don't talk about our feelings enough. And that's why women are really surprised because we don't think women want to hear it. But I've been fortunate to have some really astute women in my life where we've processed. And when you process thoughts and feelings together, you really sky's the limit because now you're yeah. able to articulate a fear or a problem. And that's a healthy relationship. And most people have no idea what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like. Yeah. You know, no one I, ever I, tells you that stuff. It's true. I, you know, ideally it's modeled, but you know, I, <laughs> I moved out of the house when I was in ninth grade uh, to go to move into a dorm. And ever since I must have been fifth grade, wherever I used to go out for the weekends to different houses and families and I just collected families. Like you talk mm. about having role models. And, and so I just collected families wherever I went and friends as well. Like I, you know, I call myself like a friend collector and 
you know, goes both ways. So I'm there whenever anybody needs me. And when I need anyone, I know that I have different people, like you said, for different things. Um, but during this, I don't know, recalibration, rebirth, whatever, after the divorce, I wrote a children's book um, and I published it and like, like 300 comments about, Hey, we knew you could do this. This was always in you. Of course you're educated. Like, like these, I was bawling reading all of these comments because I feel like, like you said, like when I, in my opinion, I was pushed into like a corporate job before that I, I had my own business. Um, and my creativity side was always like on the side, like if it were up to me, I'd just be creating all day long. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know, after the divorce, I'm just going all creator. And so this was like the first step and seeing the reaction from me creating was just like, all right, these people knew me and they still know me. You know, it was, it was just, it just how they, the people that, you know, like you, again, you question everything. So like, was I that guy? That's the guy that I want to get back to. Yeah, it's amazing when people a remember reassurance. Little reassurance. Yeah. Someone being like, no, dude, you're not all these horrible things that she's saying. I've known you for X amount of years and look at these awards and look at, you know, we don't get enough reassurance out there, you know? And it's just yeah. someone sometimes being like, yeah, this, you know, be a creator. You can do this. But oftentimes we hear too many of the other voices. You're not, you can't do that. You're not ready for that. Don't do that. And it's the, all those other people's fears too. You have to have the the will to know that there's better ways and that's a growth mindset you know that's what being a dad's all about we're teaching somebody hopefully better than we think our parents did you know at least every parent thinks they're doing better but i don't know there's high standards out there for some parents that's for sure so you're how many i guess how does it work are there locations is it starting in so, san diego has it gone yeah so outside? we, we we got, I did a podcast and got some members up in Seattle. We had some members in uh, Utah, members in South Carolina, but mostly headquarters is in San Diego because it's relatively new. Um, you know, I had to, I was starting this process kind of coming off of the divorce, coming off of my best friend, my older brother passing away. And as just as I was getting ready to launch it, of all things, you know, my mom passed away. And so, There's just a lot there that I guess slows the process, but that doesn't mean the process is bad. And so I would like to have uh, chapters with, you know, say 100 people in 10 groups meeting in every city. And, you know, maybe we can start a few in Israel like tomorrow. Um, But I think there's a lot of men out there craving a space that's not full of conflict, full of division, full of put downs where we, we build each other up, you know, we lift each other up and, and it yeah. means something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's very interesting. So if somebody like, joined, you know, somewhere, we just get five or six guys together and away they go. You plan out a couple of calendar days and then after that it's meeting and that's relatively, you know, it's not complex. Yeah. I'm thinking about my brother. Cause he calls him himself kind of my dad because he was, he was the, he was, 12 I don't know I don't know it was like 12 years old when my father moved out and so you know to me he raised me you know he was doing diapers he was taking me to school he was feeding me my mom was not not too healthy um so 
for him, he considered, you know, <laughs> when I told him you can't be on the podcast because you don't have any kids. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm your dad. <laughs> you know, so it's like, funny. that's how my brother was. My brother was five or six years older than me. And my mom wasn't so healthy. And eventually my dad, you know, parted ways. And my brother taught me how to do the laundry. My brother taught me how to feel cool when you open a door in junior high. You know, he taught me all these things. You know, he taught me about the girls and things to look out for. All these things, you know. Yeah. And um, that is, that's kind of what brothers are good for. But in a sense, he was like your caregiver, you know? Yeah. So I was so I, hard I gotta, when I lost mine. Yeah. Uh, I also lost a brother. We, we're very similar. I also lost my that's brother crazy. when I was 18. Um, and then my mother passed away a year and a half ago. So, yeah, it's been about a year in June. It was June. So right around that solstice is when she passed away. Yeah. Um, so your relationship with your kids, how, how has that been? Man, I'll tell you, pre-divorce, my daughter and I had the most amazing relationship ever. We went camping, we did stuff. She was sweet. After the divorce, I don't know if she's fully regained her composure, but she's making great progress. But I think mom and dad were in such conflict that they maybe didn't get the kind of attention they needed for some activities and better socialization. And I think they really suffered some, but I really tried to double down all my efforts, get into more activities, play dates, you know, support them in their hobbies. And I would say in the last few months, it's been better than it has been in the last three or four years, you know, oh, because amazing to hear. yeah, when you date someone new, that's a whole, that's a whole podcast in itself. And so there was, a, there was several years, four years where I was in a very loving and committed relationship. So that had a lot to have to figure out, but now being completely single again, um, I'm finding it easier because there's a lot less energy going into somebody else's challenges in yeah. life. And I'm really just pouring it into the kids and their mom as she's going to nursing school and it's, yeah. it's working. Nice. My, my, my father would agree with you. Uh, you know, I asked him if he had any regrets and his big regret was he wouldn't have gone and, and gotten any new relationships um, if he would have done it again. He, he quoted Dr. Laura. Do you remember Dr. Laura Schlesinger? She was on the radio. Maybe. It's been a long time. Yeah. So she, she had like two pieces of advice that he got too late, according to him. One was uh, don't divorce when the kids are young. Figure it out. And the second one was don't date anyone until the kids are old. Yeah. I, you know, the thing is, is I kind of had the philosophy that maybe I would find a long-term partner. I'm open to marriage. I'm open to that. And that was kind of one of the goals. Um, but our life paths didn't add up for when she would like to have a kid and some of her ambitions and, you know, masters and things. So we had to call it quits. But, you know, the ex, she did actually go on to getting into a long, long term relationship and got remarried. And so, you know, I'm happy for them because the kids do have a semblance of a male, female, mom, dad thing going on. You know, one's at work, one comes home for kisses her on the cheek. And that's not like that over at my house now. But what it is, it does afford me more opportunities because I don't have to think about a partner as much. So I have some more flexibility and freedoms and, you know, things like that. So I've seen both sides now. Sure. And, you know, I was looking at the, the Instagram feed 
and there's something on here that I wanted to bring up. Um, uh, give up uh, keeping score. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because that that's a, you know, people call me and they ask advice and things like that, and it, it does come up. Yeah, well, I think keeping score on some simple terms might be um, the last five Friday nights you've gotten to go out, I want to go out. Or, you know, I've paid for the last three dinners, it's time for you to pay dinner. And I think when I talk about division of labor, I talk about that, look, you've got 100 tasks, mom, dad, whoever, caregiver, babysitter, roommate, whoever these people are, these 100 things have to get accomplished. And so there has to be a division of labor. And some days you're going to give 60% and your loved one is going to phone it in and not try that hard. But one of the things I saw Brene Brown say one time is when a person came in to the house that say, how you doing? And the, and the loved one would say, I'm at a strong 90%. And by saying I'm at a strong 90, then she has permission to be like, great. Cause like I'm at a 20, I've got a headache. The dishes are behind. And we know that that 90 is going to go in there and deliver. But we yes. also know if the person comes in and is like, I've had the worst day, I'm at a 30. And the, and the other partner's like, I'm at the worst day, I've had a 30. And order pizza, go do something that's not going to strain. But keeping score is, is where you get animosity. It's where you get envy. It's where you get all of these other behaviors that start to undermine and erode the love that you create. And that's, you know, rather than seeing it as the deficit and keeping track of the deficit, see it as all that's abundant and how you fulfill and, and help each other. Yeah, I, I've heard that explained that way as well. You know, it's uh, marriage is 50-50, but it's not. It's 100-100. But on some of those days, it's 70-130. Which yeah, I've also heard somebody well. say you have to make a lot of deposits. And sometimes you have to like buy flowers in advance, do nice things, clean the garage, you know, just make deposits so that, and, and it's not a keeping track, but they see the value of your appreciation and your efforts and your love. And so when things come up, there's a lot, there's a lot less of it, you know, because if somebody's giving 110% and solving all of your issues and they need an extra day off, you're more than willing to give that because you're like, oh, you've done so much and vice versa. You know, you're fixing the leaky faucet and you're helping the kid at football practice and you're volunteering at the school and you're some college friend wants you to go out. The partner should say, you deserve that. Go out there. You work so hard for our family and vice versa. And I think right. that's the opposite of keeping score. It's gratitude and appreciation. Yeah, that's uh, also the the basis of the love languages books. Yep. Which is everybody's got a love tank and you just need to figure out how to fill your partner's love tank so that when it's a bad day, there's still stuff in it and it never gets to empty. Yeah, I would say, though, that you have to watch out for being taken advantage of and being used. And I think a lot of guys are feeling taken advantage of and being used in gross generalities, where I think in the old days, I for me personally, you know, I worked really hard. I provided for my my wife and the kids and she didn't have to actually work. And I and she needed house cleaners and she needed babysitters and she needed mother's helpers. And I was paying for you know, yoga certifications, but it got to a point where there was the discrepancy of I'm providing as much as I possibly can. It's never enough. And now I'm feeling like I'm in a black hole and I'm being taken advantage of because the reciprocity, the kindness, 
the appreciation isn't even there. I think most men would go to the ends of the earth for their loved one, but the one that their loved one, when you give them a gift and they just act, you know, pissed off or, you know, you're less likely to want to give them a gift because every gift you give them, they insult you or put you down for it. And then it just creates a bitterness. And that's different than the keeping score, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so this is the two dad to quit podcast. And so we like all of our guests to share a two dad to quit moment, a moment where you just think about it and your face lights up. Uh, man, I'm the, I'm the coolest dad. This is, this is why I became a dad. Uh, if you can share a moment like that with us, we'd really like that. Man, I was, I've been thinking about this long and hard and it, it's like a trite answer, but there have been so many small, tiny moments that catch me off guard where I'm just like, I can't even believe it, you know? Um, and one of them was just a few days ago. Uh, I've been struggling with my kids and with the mom and court and custody. And my whole thing is I just want to see the kids. I just want to have them in healthy activities. I'm not doing anything bizarre or crazy. I'm advocating to be a father. And there were times where I was actually getting to the point where I felt like surrendering custody would be better for the kids than for them to keep experiencing this. And even um, somebody close to me said, you know, when I remarried, so-and-so had issues with their kid and they just stopped coming to the house and all the issues disappeared. And I, and I thought that might work for your family, but that doesn't work for my family. My family like shows up for each other. We don't turn our back on each other. We, you know, and that was my dad brought us to my aunts and uncles. Every weekend we saw all of my family and he was reinforcing that these are the people that you know and trust that are always going to be there for you. And I just had to say, this isn't the short old way. I'm not going to turn my back on my kids. I'm going to keep fighting. And every single day I fought, I fought, I fought. And recently she finally relented and, and changed the schedule to what I knew would be a more appropriate thing for the kids. It immediately had an enormous positive effect on the kids. And there was a moment where the three of us, we used to wrestle all the time. We'd climb on each other. One of our languages is physical touch, you know, hugging and tackling each other, kids in jujitsu. And for about two minutes, my daughter like started wrestling with us again. And it was that like, just like three days ago where I was like, I did it, man. I did it. I didn't give up. And I'm back to having a healthy relationship with my kids, even though it took years. I lost jobs. I lost weight and health and friends and everything because I was constantly fighting for my kids, not just trying to find the easiest way out. And, it, and it's working. And now the kids in jujitsu and the daughters in the art class. And now I see them on a regular basis again and they're more healthy for it. I win. I, yeah. I can't think of a more two dad to quit moment than that one. Thank you. It's been a big one. It was like on the verge. Like I was losing my mind, like fully yeah. insane, you know? And I think a lot of guys out there, you know, there's a suicide rate in men that's too high. Yep. There's, you know, the majority of people incarcerated are men. A lot of it is around trying to see their kids or wanting to like just be at the school at pickup and they're arrested. And I have friends that have stories just like that. Yeah, I, there's way too many. Um, and so the last thing that we like to leave our, our listeners with is some advice 
um, or tips that you would give anybody thinking about going through divorce, going through divorce, you know, keep in mind, we do have 20% of our listeners are female. Uh, so with, you know, your advice can go, you know, very far. Um, maybe some advice that you would have given yourself now that you know what you know to yourself back then. Well, what I would say first off, right off the bat, is if you're a female, check out Emily King, uh, Emily King's work, because she really is a strong, vocal, uh, supportive, intelligent uh, voice for men. And so, for example, and what the advice I would say is uh, to the ladies, it, appreciate the man, even if he's driving you nuts, appreciate his hard work and his uh, work boots, even if he's, you know, leaving stubble in the sink. Don't point out the stubble in the sink, point out the work boots and how hard he's carrying the load. And those little bits of appreciation, even if you don't get a response right away, that builds the foundation to have a, a safer footing. Because as a couple, people have to communicate. You have to stop and listen. You have to set aside your issues. You have to come from a place of wanting to know where they're coming from, a place of curiosity. And, and, and it can't just be lashing out. And so part of it is slowing down, understanding that what you're doing and how you're interacting is affecting the children. And if you want to be a really good parent, you have to learn how to be a really good co-parent, divorced or not. And I'll tell you right now, I wish I didn't get divorced. I wish I could have worked it through. I wish I didn't have to deal with all this. I wish I didn't, my children had to suffer. But there are times when relationships end and you have to accept that. But I try tooth and nail to the very end to make it work for my family. And it's not easier out there. There is no grass is greener. The grass is green where you water it. And so for the dads, keep pushing, buddy. Keep working, fella. The payout's coming. And one of the wise dads said to me, do the hard things now and they hate you so that they'll appreciate you later in life for doing it. Because if you let them get away with the easy stuff now, they'll hold it against you for the rest of your life. So do the hard things. And that's what I'm doing. Eliminating the video games, cutting out the screen time, making sure we go for walks after meals, doing the meditations, doing the things that are going to make them a healthy and a productive adult is my focus. Not how do I get them into the room quiet? How can I see my buddies and find babysitters? There's space for that. Dude, you got one chance at this and no person ever said, I wish I didn't spend so much time with my kids when they were young. And you only got it for a little while. Come 12, they're gone. Hmm. How are you when you were 14? How much time did you spend with your parents when you were 16? You only have a few years and then they're gone. How old are your kids? Uh, so I've got five from uh, 15 and a half down to nine. Goes quick, doesn't it? Uh, for some of them, <laughs> for some of them. Yeah. Well, look at us, man. I'm proud of you. I was the youngest of five. I got a best buddy with five. I know how a, a household of five looks and feels, you know, it, I'm there. I feel you, man. It's wild. It's a fight for the bathroom and there's laundry everywhere. Yeah. Thank God I have three bathrooms, but yeah. <laughs> that helps. We have it, it one. Yeah, it definitely, definitely helps. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for being on. I know you have to run to pick up your son. Uh, and this has been the Two Dad to Quit podcast. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. This podcast provides a platform for our guests to express their own personal views and opinions. Some or all of these views 
and opinions may not be shared by Ben and or Yo. Thank you for listening to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. Available at twodadtoquit.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode.